Welcome to That Mom Life. I am Sarah Jordan, and this week I am super excited to be joined by a principal. People that are have probably the hardest jobs in the world right now. This is Amy Niemeyer. She is an elementary school principal from right here in Southern Indiana as well from Slate Run Elementary. And Amy, I am so thankful that you are on with me today. I know your schedule is insane right now, and you not only... I had, I had to delay a day once. I even had to push you back because of my kids. So thank you for being so understanding. Of course. Um, I'm honored uh, to be a part of um, your show here and I'm thrilled that you ask and know that that's, that's all of our lives right now. We're all um, learning um, the new and living the chaos and, and making the best of it. So Amy, you, how long have you been an elementary school principal right now? So I'm entering my ninth year as principal. Ninth year. Did you always want to be a school principal when you were growing up or when you first started your education? Uh, Really, I did once I um, went into education. Uh, Crazy story, actually. I thought I would be um, come a doctor, become a doctor when I was younger, and then um, got a little squeamish with the medical field things and fell in love with education. And um, so pretty well right away as a new teacher, I went back to school uh, for my master's and my administrative certification and um, jumped right into administration after just five years of teaching. So where did you grow up? Are you from this area? I am. I actually grew up in Floyd's Knobs and uh, then moved to the New Albany area, but always right here in Southern Indiana. I actually live in Floyd Knobs. So uh, I'm, I'm so happy. The, that's the funny thing that I always talk about. Southern Indiana knows Southern Indiana. And you're probably one degree separation from someone you do know, which is even how I got introduced to you to do this podcast. So I'm surprised I didn't know you or probably I have met you before at some probably point so. in Southern Indiana. Yeah, especially especially with how tiny these towns are. For sure. When did you meet your husband? I met my husband um, when I was 16 and 96, actually. (gasps) And he had just graduated from high school. And I was, it was the summer before my junior year. And we um, met through a mutual friend and have been together ever since 1996. So do you consider him like, I guess he's technically your high school sweetheart, but he was out of high school. He was out of high school. Um, he, um, he, he actually jokes and sa- talks about how many times he had to go to prom because he got to go to my two proms in junior, uh, senior year too. So, so he has four under his belt. Actually six that back then they allowed you to go as freshmen and sophomores, uh, which is really a joke. Uh, we decided, you know, I'm like, you're like career at going to the prom we went to six proms I was gonna say he'd be a great advisor for a prom if he's done six of them oh my I don't know if I've ever met someone that's gone to six right he, he wasn't real thrilled by my um senior prom but he did go he went anyway <laughs> what's it like to be with someone from like I, I do have several friends that are high school sweethearts let me start by saying that and honestly I thought the guy that I dated from 16 to 19 was gonna be my forever man so I totally get that concept but that when I, I feel like when you meet somebody that young you truly have to engage in a a relationship that can handle growth and change because obviously you're growing and changing because because you met so young Absolutely. Um, when I think back on, you know, it's been 24 years. We dated six years before we were married and um, then have been married 18. And um, you just do go through um, lots of cycles and that um, good times and bad and ups and downs. And um, so 
you know, through different career changes and um, having, you know, trying to conceive and, and then having an infant. And um, there, there's so many times that you just have to take um, a moment to reflect. I think I try to reflect on my own growth and then that what, what that means for our relationship and, and moving forward. You can't always hold on to what was in the past, but look for um, how you can grow together and, and what your goals are as you move forward in the future. I think that's what's so important. I mean, I know not that people were actually criticizing me, but I mean, I met my husband as a senior in college. And I remember when I first announced that I was engaged at age like 22, people were like, really you're engaged. And of course there was, Oh, you've got plenty of time for the next marriage kind of comments. And I was thinking that's really bizarre. Um, it all depends because I, this is my 10th wedding anniversary will be this fall. So it's just one of those things where I was like, obviously it depends on the people the couple and the overall relationship and like what your goals are. So I'm always fascinated by high school sweethearts just because I'm like, that is a true testament to the type of relationship that you have. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's always, it's a give and take and and always a work in progress. Um, Certainly there are times that, you know, seem really low, but um, the higher times uh, outweigh and, and you work through those together. So, you know, it really does take a commitment and knowing it's not always sunshine and rainbows, but, you know, that willingness to um, really work together and, and strengthen each other when times aren't as you, you sometimes want. So, so I know you work in an elementary school, but clearly you're around a lot of other educators, a lot of other students. Do you ever find yourself like in a high school situation where you look around and you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I met the guy I was going to spend the rest of my life with at the same age as these kids? (laughs) I totally do. And I say at the same time, you shouldn't be thinking about getting married (laughs) Uh, because I, I mean, I was um, just shy of my 22nd birthday when we, um, when we got married. And of course, um, you know, we've made it work and um, I, I know that they can too, but now, you know, you feel like you're older and wiser and you look back and think, man, um, so, um, you can have the, the good old times, but, um, always just a little more unique if you're married at a younger age. Oh, for sure. And I do think it's funny cause I feel the same way because I have younger cousins and I'm like, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, I can't tell them yet that I did that or I did this. And it's just one of those things. It's like, but I was different. I was different. And that's what I feel like I, you always end up telling yourself I was more mature or I was doing this, but it's very weird. Cause obviously when you're in the moment and you're at that age, you feel I'm mature enough. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. So it is. Right. And everyone's different. I, you know, a really, you know, unique, we have, um, some friends, uh, and they, um, are about our age, just a couple years older than us. And they got married very young, actually at like 19 and their son just got married this summer also at 19. And it was really hard at first for them to like, feel like he could handle that. And then, you know, they had a lot of really mature conversations and, um, he was in a relationship where they could and, um, and they were really supportive of that after you reflect on your own time during that, um, age and stage and, and the maturity and, and being able to support them. But I think automatically as parents and as you grow older, um, and see things in society, you tend to want to be more overprotective, um, or, you know, no, you're not overprotective, but just in general, very protective and, and want to watch, um, those family members and all around you to help well, them make sure. And especially, 
like you were even the early 2000s looked a lot different than 2020. So I would say that the protection, you're protecting them from much different things than you could have been protecting them in 2005 or whenever it was. So I totally agree with that because I, I'm pretty sure by the time my kids are of age to be dating and then possibly consider marriage, I have, I will be like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? But then again, I'm very happy with the fact that my husband and I obviously met when I was a senior in college and got married at when I, right before I turned 23 and that's totally fine by me. I mean, <laughs> we have a great relationship and you're right to each their own all is well, but when there are babies, it's different. <laughs> Yes. A hundred percent. When it's your babies, it's different. Um, you did bring up something. You said you had some fertility struggles between you and your husband. Is that something you're willing to share? Sure. Sure. Um, so we actually, um, we, um, did, um, try to conceive, um, for well over a year before, um, learning that we, um, we're not going to be able to conceive naturally. Uh, after a series of tests, actually, um, we found out it was um, partially a female factor, partially a male factor, but had a pretty significant male factor there and um, went to some specialists that were um, fantastic. We actually um, went to doctors in Cincinnati and um, really felt like they were very supportive and, uh, and kind and, and, they were very open and honest with us that really our best and only shot um, was to um, do the in vitro fertilization. And so we did um, make a plan and, and went through that cycle. We were very, very fortunate that it um, was successful the first time uh, for us. Um, we had hoped to freeze some embryos for use um, for you know future cycle. Um, to possibly conceive uh, more children, but um, we did not have any make it. So we are very, very blessed that it worked our first time. And um, we do have an awesome um, nine and a half year old son and um, just are again, very blessed that um, that, that worked the first time and um, always willing and um, open to talk with other uh, families that are um, struggling. I think, uh, that be, is becoming a little bit more open and normal in society. Um, but 10 years ago, we definitely, um, at that point, our perception were, was that we were the only one. And so we, um, my husband and I are both always willing to talk with other um, couples and families uh, to offer any kind of um, support and understanding and, um, you know, just our experiences, if that can help anyone else. You know, I mean, obviously growing up, I didn't realize, I mean, especially as a woman, I don't think it ever crosses your mind. Oh, I might have fertility issues. I feel like it's just one of those things where you automatically assume I'm a woman and this is what we reproductive organ organs do. This is what my, my, my body's supposed to do. And I didn't realize until I was in my twenties that, and actually it was a client of ours that was the Kentucky fertility Institute. And they started telling me like one in eight women have for, have issues with their fertility. And I was like, one in eight women, there's eight women in this room. And lo and behold, one of my friends sitting there had issues and it was such an unspoken thing for so long that I feel like I didn't know that it was so common. Now I know a lot of people that have had fertility struggles, sometimes resulting in IVF, sometimes not. Sometimes it's just a matter of take shots while you're pregnant or take these hormones and they've gotten pregnant. But I mean, it is so prevalent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't, you know, know if that's just, um, you know, changes with, um, you know, 
the age of women conceiving. Um, I did wait and, you know, I was probably like 27, 28 before I, um, we started um, trying to conceive and ended up being 30 before I did conceive. So I, I think sometimes that maybe age is a factor, maybe it's environmental or um, certainly in our family, uh, more takeout food and, and that kind of thing than we um, would like to. It's not, you know, homegrown on the farm anymore and, and that kind of thing. And in some cases, so I'm not sure, but I, I think you're right that it's more prevalent. And I think women nowadays, uh, because of, you know, just like um, conversations like we're having and, and trying to support one another, people are becoming more open um, to talk about that and, and rather than, you know, hiding behind that or maybe feeling embarrassed uh, for those situations and, and that that we're supporting one another. Um, and I don't even know if it's necessarily that it's more prevalent now or just more talked about now. Because I do think that there was, there's a lot of just people don't want to talk about it or I've have, I know one of my friends, she was felt like something was broken and she was almost like embarrassed. And then because she didn't realize other people were struggling too. And I think that I'm so glad that you and your husband are so willing to like talk to other people about it, because I think that's one of the biggest things is to be, is to more normalize the conversation that you, there are people out there like you, you're not alone, et cetera. Um, I remember being with one of my friends and someone asked basically a stranger, you and your husband have been married a while. Why aren't you having kids yet? And she kind of laughed it off. And then we got in the car and she was like, little do they know we've been trying to have a baby for three years. People ask this question all the time, not thinking anything. And then in the background, every time they ask me, it hurts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've asked people that question before not realizing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And you, you know, I think when, then when you know better, you do better. Um, and you have more of an understanding, but if it hasn't impacted you or someone, you know, around you and it's not you know, a normalized, like you said, conversation, then, um, that is a lot of times just, you know, society, you, you know, you, you know, finish your schooling, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, you know, that, and, the, and so people ask about it and, um, I can remember experiencing those same feelings of like hurt and if they only knew and, you know, we, we didn't share with everyone that we had been trying for a year. It was, you know, our personal journey and, and that, and we wanted to, you know, that to be a surprise for family and, you know, all those fun things until like, then when it becomes really hard and, and you're seeking that support system. So obviously your family was super supportive with everything, right? They were. We uh, didn't um, share with anyone actually until we um, found out the significance of our struggle. And then we only told, um, I think we um, had like four friends, um, two different couples that knew and uh, our parents. And that was um, all that knew while we were going through um, fertility treatments and, and doing the IVF. And then once we experienced it and and realized the, the one friend that had similar experiences herself and and she and her husband were able to talk with us that we decided we wanted to be able to be that support system and and all for other people so uh, started sharing much more openly uh, at that point so your son is now you said nine Yes, he's nine and will be 10 if I allow him. I'm trying to figure out how to slow this down in November. <laughs> <laughs> if I allow him to turn 10. 
<laughs> allow him to turn 10 because I really am not sure that I'm ready to have a, a son that's in the double digits. I was going to say, there's something about that double digits that just changes things. Right. If nothing else, then in your mind, it's like, there's no way it's been 10 years. <laughs> No way it's been 10 years. I mean, when you say 10 years on it, you know, when you think you get something with a 10-year warranty, that's a really long time. And it's it's not when you um, look at how quickly they uh, grow up. So. so you said that you have been a principal now for nine years. Your son is nine. So you had a very busy year. I, I did. I actually um, uh, was when I started here as the assistant principal, so I'm entering my ninth year. So I've been here at Slate Run Elementary for 11 years or entering the 11th year. And the first two years I was the assistant principal when I was hired, I was um, pregnant with Alton, my son. And um, I uh, had him in November and took um, a short time off and, and came back in January that year. And then uh, finished that school year, the following school year as the assistant principal, and then was hired um, in the summer of 12 to be the principal. What a journey you've had with New Albany, Floyd County school systems, but just being in the education system altogether. Yeah, I um, feel uh, very proud that I am a, pro uh, am a product of New Albany Floyd County Schools. Um, I attend, actually attended St. Mary the Knobs, um, kindergarten through sixth grade. I went to Floyd Central seventh through ninth and graduated um, as a Bulldog in 96 from New Albany. And, um, and then been, like I said, very fortunate to have taught at Pineview Elementary and been in administration at Georgetown Grantline and here at Slate Run. Wow. So for people who don't know, there's in Southern Indiana, there's the, one of the biggest rivalries is New Albany and Floyd Central because there's schools that are only about maybe a 15 minute drive apart, if that. So for you to have attended both, I mean, I suppose your allegiance lies with where you got your degree. Um, yeah, I mean, probably since that, you know, I did graduate as a bulldog. I say I spent three years at each, you know, at that time, Floyd Central was a junior senior high. So we were in, um, one campus. Um, and, and so I started and really my family moved to New Albany and that was, uh, way prior to, you know, open transfers and things like that, that we see, um, nowadays in our school system. Uh, so when we moved to New Albany, I was not very happy, um, on my first day of my sophomore year at New Albany, but, um, in that, uh, back in the day, again, it's been, uh, it's been a hot minute back in high school, New Albany, um, at the time was a 10, 12 building. So everyone was new, um, at, as a sophomore at New Albany coming together from the, the junior highs at the time. And so. Um, just really did um, actually fall in love with New Albany and being there and um, fantastic school and, and loved every minute of it. So I still attended Floyd Central as well. That's where I graduated from when it was still the junior senior high was all in one building. And my elementary school was the now the parking lot next door <laughs> that has been right. knocked down. Poor Galena. See too. I think they utilize that um, building now for some of their uh, maybe ROTC programs and um, athletic yeah. programs. So they use part of that building now. 
I love that you did. Do you find that returning to your roots and be, well, not necessarily returning, I guess you've, you've technically been there. Do you think it's a different experience for you because you're teaching in the school system in which you grew up in? Um, probably a bit more pride comes to, to work. Uh, you know, I think, you know, most of the time you're really proud of the place that you work and you want to be there and that's why you continue. But when you, when you've grown up, um, and had, you know, I had a terrific experience all the way through and then, um, now get to serve, um, as an educator and, and all in the school system. I, I think a, a lot of pride comes with that and wanting to continue, um, that tradition in the community as, you know, well as ensuring that the students that come through our school now and then on to middle and high school have that same experience and experience that same, um, pride as, as they leave too. That's, I actually was talking to my mom today about this. I, I am now my kids. I moved back to New Albany Floyd County school systems and moved back to where I grew up because I love the school so much here. And now that I have kids in those school systems and me and some of my friends that I've grown up with, our kids are now in some of the same classes together. I told her, I was like, this is such an amazing experience to I mean, my friends and I always say like best friends, raising best friends, but now they are in school together and now they're in the same school system I was. And there's something so special about getting to walk in those halls again, as a parent with kids, with your friends, it's just a very cool dynamic. And I feel so blessed to be able to do that where I grew up because not everyone gets to do that. Absolutely. And you see um, some, you know, some of the same educators um, that are still um, in in those schools. I know like my kindergarten teacher um, that I had, um, it was her first year of teaching, but she's still a teacher uh, and a phenomenal teacher at Floyd Knobs Elementary. And um, it's just always uh, so fun to see them in, in meetings and, um, and know that that fantastic education is still happening for our kids and, um, and, and those in our community. So as a principal, what do you think has been your hardest time? I mean, I would like to assume 2020, but I can't assume that necessarily. I mean, what has been the hardest time for you that you can remember? Sure. Um, well, I would have prior to March of 2020, I would have shared that, um, uh, you, you know, you think it's the hardest time every time that that hits. And so when you're, you know, new at, at the position, wanting to, to do your very best and definitely carry the, the traits in me of wanting perfection at the um, very first start and um, to do it right the first time. And, and so then you learn. Uh, but <clears throat> prior to March, I would have said that the most difficult um, and challenging part of my job had been we actually um, tore down the old slate run, the original slate run, and um, moved our school for two years to um, a site we rented from a local church, built a new school on the same site as the original building, and then moved the entire school back. Um, and all that happened um, between 2017 and 2019. So I would have said that was quite challenging. And uh, we pulled it off uh, as a school family and it was fantastic, but challenging. And then we hit um, working and educating students during a global pandemic. And 
that has now risen to the top challenge at this point in my career. Um, it, just ensuring that we are staying connected as a school family uh, with our students, with our families and caregivers and, and as a staff um, to team together to per continue to provide an education um, that we know is so essential and important um, to the youth in our community, but to do it safely. When everything first started happening in March, how did you, how did you keep it together? I mean, you're the one at the very top of it, but at the same time, a parent as well. How did you keep it together? Uh, well, um, you know, just taking it day by day, I already mentioned that, um, perfectionism, um, that I hold myself to, um, oftentimes, um, and then, you know, really a person that's very type A that wants a plan and wants it organized and, and structured. And so I've learned and, and been able to grow a lot myself since March and that we are going to take it day by day and do the very best we can each and every day and, and know that that might change. I think it's also important. And I learned from, you know, moving the school and building the school to, to be really transparent with your team. Um, with the, the team of teachers, we work together um, and our school staff here and, and with families that, um, you know, this is plan A and plan B and, and now that this was my plan C, but let, help me guys because I don't have D. Um, let's work together and do that and then owning, you know, your mistakes and we all have oops moments and, and being able to be really transparent and open and honest. Um, I think is, is how, how we, we hold it together and, and move forward to, to do it better each and every day. What do you think has been a silver lining for you during the pandemic? Silver line. I, I think I've had, um, really I've had several, I've, I've learned a lot myself, um, about, you know, technology and, um, how we can reach our families, uh, how, um, I can grow myself and, and better my skills. So I've learned that I um, certainly have had more family time. We were pretty busy and on the go. And so I, I think you've heard a, a lot of folks say that, you know, more time to connect with family and, and spend that time together. Um, An opportunity for, you know, at school for our teachers to really um, collaborate as well as like, you know, with my um, colleagues at the principal level that we've collaborated more than ever and grown closer um, through sharing ideas and learning from one another. Um, so some of those relationships I think have been um, strengthened as well. So Which I don't think people, which I mean, honestly, I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily assume that, but when you're taken away from everybody and you're all separated, the only thing you can do is become a better communicator. I mean, obviously in your personal life, but as you as the, the top of the food chain for your elementary school to be the lead communicator on everything. I mean, it's, it's very reassuring to me, just even as a parent to know that it is reinforced and strengthened relationships. Absolutely. Um, we, um, you know, spent time, uh, <clears throat> one of the very first thing and, and the teacher started it, you know, we didn't have a staff Facebook page before. And so we have the private group. And um, so that can look like, like anything from sharing ideas and collaborating on how we're, you know, going to uh, improve school and, and how we can um, 
learn new ways to reach our students every day, but also just like funny stories from our families and pictures and look at this craft project I'm working on. And, and so um, that piece came along, uh, lots of, you know, Zoom interactions and uh, sharing of ideas. And I, we use Google Meet, but, um, but calling somebody and saying, or sending a text and saying, can you jump on a Google Meet with me real quick and look at this? And, and so lots of strengthening, uh, strengthening in that collaboration has happened, um, like I said, in our school and then among, among our schools in New Albany Floyd County. So that's been exciting. It, honestly, I think even for me, professionally speaking in my job, you talk about learning things. I mean, the amount of learning I've had to do in the time and some of that's been due to employees being furloughed or let go. And all of a sudden it's like, you have to pick up the pieces. You still have to perform. You still have to move. Um, but just figuring out how to connect with people. You're right. Google meet. We all joke that like our team suddenly is like a zoom professional, but like how does zoom is one of the number one Googled things of 2020. I think it's changed so much and I'll be completely frank with you. So I live in a high risk home because it's a multi-generational house. So we built a house in which my parents are here and my grandfather is here and and I have an eight month old. So for us, it's been a very lockdown situation. We don't send a lot of people in or out of the house and we are very social. We have a big family. Come one, come all. It doesn't matter. Um, but then when it came to back to school, I was so relieved. I was like, yes, school's starting. I'm going to send my kids back. I'm going to have a kindergartner and a first grader, and it's going to be great. Up until about three weeks ago. And then my husband looks at me and he goes, you know, they can't actually go because they could bring it home to your dad. And I've been so upset. And I emailed our principal, which my elementary school principal for here, this was her second year of being the principal. And in her first year, obviously all this happened. <laughs> And I was like, oh no, but I told her, I was like, I've been crying and crying and crying, but I have to switch to virtual. And I think so many people, and I know you'll totally understand this, assume that virtual learning is going to be how it was in the spring. Um, which everybody was just adjusting as fast as they could, but no one had the exact solution. Those solutions didn't exist yet. <laughs> um, right. So now that I like have gone through all of the school system orientations on virtual learning and everything, I'm like trying to spread the word. I'm like, it's not what you think it is. It's not like the spring, <laughs> but I'm like, give everybody a right. little bit of grace. We did the best we could, <laughs> but exactly. it has been such a hard decision for our family. So hard. Yeah. Teachers have worked so hard to, you know, really embrace and learn a new way and, um, work really hard to, because we know that they're, you know, our families, um, just like yours and, and for, for diff, whatever the dynamic that virtual instruction is going to be, you know, what's best for those students. And so, um, we're, we're, we are rising to the challenge to make sure that we are, um, teaching new content and giving feedback and having discussions with students virtually and really helping them to continue to, um, grow their skills until we can be safely back all in person. And that's my goal too. And that's my kids keep asking me. And that's also been one of the tricky parts, how, explaining to kids what is going on. How do you handle dealing with the students and even how to t instruct the teachers as to how do you talk about this with the kids? 
Right. Um, absolutely. And we're getting ready to, you know, have our first real go of it other than our, you know, own personal children um, because school starts a week from today and um, actually invited, we had staff members bring in their students, their own children um, that aren't all students here at Slate Run, but they um, are all, you know, of elementary, middle school age. And we wanted to uh, put together a video to help families that'll come out next week and just what what's school going to look like and what you know how will it be different and it was just great to have some conversations with um, some of our you know young um, students and and one um, young boy is he's six and he said we have to wear a mask because of the coronavirus and we want to keep everyone safe and i said you were so right and we talked about you know the different procedures and and what we should film and how we should help um, other families and it was just a really great conversation to take time um, to to hear from kids and and what they um, one of the things that i hadn't thought to film was that we're going to be doing random temperature checks of um, quite a few classrooms Ooh. each day and they were like what about the thermometers and what that's going to be like if and i was like you're right you know so really listening to to the students and and the kids and you know, what are you thinking? What feels different to you? Um, how can we help others? I, I think is going to be an important approach. I think that's, I think that's a good approach to the entire world right now. <laughs> how can you help others? Um, right. my son is, he is seven and going, he's first grade and he's one of the older ones in the class, but I have been amazed that how much kids pick up on they are so much more perceptive than I think adults realize, or when you think they're not listening, they're hearing everything. And when all of this first started, the kids didn't say much. And then all of a sudden they knew the words coronavirus. They knew the words COVID-19, um, a delivery man came to the door and the kids were like, we have to stay six feet apart. And I was like, I haven't had a direct conversation with them about social distancing when it first began. And I mean, now we picked up all of our virtual learning stuff. And my son was like, when are we going back in person? Um, and now the kids keep saying, when the virus is over, we're going to do this. When the virus is over, we're going to do that. It's become like a new phrase in their everyday language. And it's my husband and I keep saying like the kids are resilient. The kids will adapt to change. I think it's harder for adults sometimes to adapt to the changes right now because we have this like picture perfect. We're going to get them their perfect little outfit. We're going to put them on their little backpack. We're going to put them on the bus. We're going to cry in the driveway when they pull away and off our kids go to school. And that's just not what it is this year <laughs> or the tears right. mean something completely different. Or, yeah, it's absolutely um, so different than what we envisioned it, what we experienced ourselves. Um, you know, school in, in general is, you know, I always have conversation with kindergarten families each and every year to say, like, kindergarten is not the kindergarten you went to before. We, mm -hmm. You know, you'll be blown away, you know, when your son or daughter comes um to the end of kindergarten and is a reader and a writer and a, you know, able um, to solve math problems and, and those things. So I think it is hard um, for us as adults, but also something that uh, for us to be mindful when we realize how perceptive children are and how much they pick up on that really um, uh, our state, this is a little bit of a, you know, brain science here, but our brain state dictates their brain state and, um, we have to always be mindful of that, uh, especially us as educators, but it, you know, it's important, um, at, for parents too, to realize 
um, that they are perceptive and they they pick up on our fears and our excitement and um, wanting to be mindful of that when we are with them so that we can you know, help them to, to feel like they can be successful, to understand the challenges, but know, you know, how you're going to seek the solutions to the challenges and, and that type of thing. That's what I'm trying to work on too, is that when I'm having my own, um, <laughs> mental breakdowns over juggling, working from home with multiple kids and how we're going to do virtual learning, even though it's what's best for us, or all my friends are going to in-person and we're not, as I'm trying to go through all that, I'm like, I've got to be aware that the kids are going to pick up on my mental state and I have to hype them up as much as possible for what we're doing. So when we went to pick up our virtual learning stuff, I made the kids put on like a first day of school kind of outfit. My daughter had my pearls on and I was like, come on, this is our school. And so we went up there and actually we walked in the school and I had the principal give us another tour again, just to show them how it was changing, especially my daughter, who's a kindergartner this year. And then we took pictures out in front of the school. So our first day of school pictures, which obviously I posted or I took early, I wanted them to feel like they were still part of that community. And I'm like trying to hype them as much as possible. Cause I'm like, this is still your school. And so, and they're all excited about their iPad or their computer or from the school, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, change my mindset too. Right. And that's tricky. And I certainly fall into the, you know, the, um, I've had a rough day and I'm not sure how I'm managing school and home and, you know, wanting to be a hundred percent as a mom and a principal and a wife. And, and so I fall into that category, you know, of woo, uh, a lot. And then what I, I really, um, have worked hard to do is, when I'm having a moment or, you know, I snap or I'm clearly um, not in a good place to just, you know, follow up with that to say like, wow, <laughs> mom, mom was in a really bad mood or I'd had a really hard day and, and that, you know, came out pretty rough this evening. You know, let's talk about that and I'm going to try to do better. And, you know, it was just hard. And, and so what working through that, I think is, is helpful for our kids to see too, that, um, it, it's not always going to be perfect the first time, um, but, you know, reflecting on it and, and doing it better the next time is, is how we grow. I, I 100% agree. And I just want to say from all parents looking at educators and schools and everything is just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. And we know, or I know now, especially after talking to the school principal this week, that you've not stopped. You've not taken a summer break. You have been working harder than ever with more weight on your shoulders. And you really are a superhero to the parents. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I, uh, I, we, we are in educators are in this field because we are very passionate, um, about, um, children and education. And, and this has just given us a, a, a new opportunity to figure out, you know, like you said, um, wanting your, your children to still feel a part of that school family and, and connected to the school, even as a virtual student, it, it's a new challenge, but we are, are ready for that challenge to, um, still reach those students, still, um, become a school family, uh, whether some of the time, you know, our, our students may be at home learning and, and others are in, in the classroom seat. Um, we, we want our, our doctors to grow. We, um, want our accountants to, to learn new ways to, you know, do our taxes more efficiently and all. And this is our chance in education, um, to, 
um, meet meet a new challenge and and do what's what's best for kids and families. Thank you so much, Amy. You are truly wonderful, and I wish you nothing but the best kicking off the school year. And again, it's as a planner, clearly you have to be in education, but especially as a principal, when your plan is getting changed on a daily basis and you have to figure out new ways to do your job, it is never easy. And you're obviously doing amazing because I know several of your teachers and they all rave about you. So thank you for all that you do. And thank you so much for taking the time to do a podcast with me today. Well, thank you again. And again, it's an honor um, to talk with you and be a part of your show.